This is True Capitalist Radio. True Capitalist Radio. I am your host, the man they call Ghost. The badass of business. Give him capitalism or give him death. That's it. Period. Broadcasting from his Skyline office studios in beautiful downtown Austin, Texas. You sound fruitier than a box of Fruit Loops, for Christ's sake. And now, he'll take it from here. Your host, the prognosticator of prognosticators, the man they call... Ghost. Well, good evening, good morning, or good afternoon to you folks, and thank you for tuning in with me to another edition of the True Capitalist Radio Broadcast. And of course, I am your host, the man they call Ghost, and I'd like to thank you very much for tuning in with me. This is episode number 570, 570 for all the folks that are keeping track of the True Capitalist Radio Broadcast. And before we get into anything else, I'd like to ask everybody to please add to your bookmarks and add to your favorites, yours truly's personal website. Type this in your browser right now, ghost.report. That's right, folks. No matter what they do to me on any social media platform, you can always find me there. Ghost.report is the official website of yours truly. And of course, if you have a Twitter account, please follow us over there. The Twitter account to follow is capitalistghost.com. All one word, no underscores. Capitalist Ghost is the name to follow. Now, before we get started on anything, folks, I'd like to preamble with the fact that uh, this particular podcast is dedicated to one subject, and that subject is a discourse on the narrative of COVID-19. Now, before I get started, I do want to say I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a canonized expert. I am just giving a documented discourse on the narrative based on evidence through a journalistic investigation. And I'm presenting to you this as my personal opinion. So I'm not trying to convince you not to take anything or to take anything. I am not giving medical advice. This is my journalistic opinion. So I had to preamble that before anybody tries to go and point in any other direction of my motives of this presentation. Now, what I'm about to present to you folks is very shocking, unnerving, and disturbing. And uh, if you don't want to be shocked into reality, or if you want to continue living life with the blue pill, then I suggest for you right now to turn off this podcast. And the reason is, folks, is because the documented evidence and everything that I'm about to present to you is something that is not only going to change the narrative, at least in your or my opinion of COVID-19, but it should give you a new perspective on the institution of science. Now, with that being said, folks, before we get started, I do want to remind everybody that you can follow what I'm about to present to you, all the sources are on my personal website, ghost.report. And all you have to do is go into the search bar and type in True Capitalist Radio episode 570 and find the blog post in which this particular presentation is going to be presented. All the sources are there on that webpage. 
Okay. All the sources are there on ghost.report. Just search true capitalist radio episode number 570. And that webpage has all the sources I'm about to present to you. And when I quote a source in this presentation, I will say source one or S one or source two or S two when referencing sources. And once again, all the sources that I'm about to present are there on the website. So without any further ado, let's just go ahead and get into this discourse on the narrative of COVID-19. Now, understanding the documented evidence that's about to shatter the approved narrative of COVID-19, you have to understand how COVID-19 came into our lives. One just has to look back over the past 50 years to understand that, quote, science of viruses and diseases begin with patents. That's right, folks, patents, you know, like, you know, you're patenting a product. Yes, that's, that's what I just said. Now, let's just take a look back at some of the viruses that have come into our lives within the past 50 years to understand what I'm about to say. Take, for example, swine flu or H1N1, which is patented, by the way, and uh, take a look at Source 1 to view the patent and notice the inventor on that patent just so happens to be out of China. Just ironic, just, you know, a little tidbit. Anyway, this is a virus that science, quote unquote, the institution of science, has been trying to infect populations with since the 1970s or the mid 70s. Uh, the CDC even tried to implement a vaccine in the mid 70s for H1N1 or swine flu, as they call it, uh, going as far as using local media and advertisements and other forms of propaganda to scare people into receiving this H1N1 vaccine they had back then. Now, fortunately for us, uh, this attempt by the CDC to vaccinate people in the mid-70s with H1N1 vaccine failed miserably because of the side effects that ensued because of them implementing this vaccine on the public. And by the way, I have to say that the mainstream media actually did their jobs back then. And take a look at source two. That's source two, 60-minute swine flu piece from 1976. Take a look at that. It highlights almost verbatim what they did with COVID-19 and the vaccine rollout. They did it back then in the mid-70s with swine flu, H1N1. Unbelievable. Now, they tried to bring it back. I don't know if y'all remember this. The CDC tried to bring H1N1 back in 2009 even as going as far as to fast-track vaccines and, once again, scaring people into taking them and, you know, using the same methods as they used in the mid-70s uh, for H1N1. Uh, but luckily, because Operation Warp Speed wasn't around to give Big Pharma legal immunity and government enforcement of vaccines, thanks, Trump, uh, H1N1 actually magically went away. <laughs> in August of 2009. Can't you believe that? H1N1 just magically went away, August of 2009. That is source three for all the folks that are keeping track right there. So that's just one uh, virus. Let's take a listen, or let's, let's briefly talk about another virus, Ebola. Everybody remembers Ebola. You know, that happened in like 2014. By the way, Ebola is patented, and that is source four for all the folks that are keeping track. 
It is patented by the Department of Health and Human Services. Oh, oh. Anyway, Ebola was something that magically popped up in 2014 in West Africa, which the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation have been scientifically experimenting or giving aid to, wink, wink, since the uh, 90s. And that's source five for all the folks that are keeping track. Now, Ebola, it infected 28,652 and killed 11,325 worldwide and just magically disappeared in 2016. And that is source six for all the folks that are keeping track. Now, FYI, the reason America only had four Ebola infections in the United States uh, borders was because we imposed travel restrictions from West Africa immediately after the virus was found. And that's source seven to document that. But because Obama did it back then, and you know the Democrats couldn't cry racism like they did during the coronavirus, that's source eight, uh, it was okay for Obama to do that. All right, I, I'm not. I'm not even joking. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember the the Democrats were crying racism because of the travel restrictions that Trump implemented. Like I said, that is source eight during coronavirus. But I digress. All right, I don't want to. I don't want to go down that road. But you get where I'm going, right, folks? Uh, let me briefly go over another virus: the Zika virus. Now, the Zika virus, which is not only patented, by the way, but you can purchase Zika virus online. I'm not even joking. That's Source 9. Source 9, you can actually purchase Zika virus online. Now, Zika came out right before Ebola miraculously went away in 2015. That is Source 10. And Zika has also recently been in the news. I don't know if you know that. Uh, they're claiming, at least the media, you know how the media likes to hype up everything. The media has been claiming that Zika could be the next pandemic, believe it or not. And that is source 11 for all the folks that are keeping track, which is why the whole show is dedicated to this subject, okay? Because I'll be damned if they lock us down again I'll be damned if they dehumanize us with this mask mandate, and I'll be damned if they try to inoculate the population with experimental concoctions passed as vaccines forced on the public. But that's my personal opinion, and that's why I'm presenting to question, to question. Do you understand? I'm just saying. Okay, now that I've presented to you evidence of that recent virus outbreaks all trace back to patents. Let's go ahead and have a conversation and some discourse on coronavirus or COVID-19. Now, I know many of you are probably asking, is COVID-19 or coronavirus patented? Well, hold on to your hat for this one, okay? And bear with me because it's very complicated, but it's intended to be complicated so they don't get caught, right? Anyway, Yes, coronavirus is patented. It's a bit confusing, but be because there's a couple of variants of coronavirus. So once again, bear with me, but let's look at source 12, if you happen to be take keeping track. Source 12, which is a patent filed by the Perbright Institute for coronavirus. 
All right. Now, before we address the disclaimer on that page, uh, let's talk about the Perbright Institute uh, and what it is. Okay. Cause we're, we're going to address the disclaimer, but let's talk about the Perbright Institute, which is the, the Institute that has the patent for coronavirus. It's a quote, nonprofit research facility whose purpose is to quote, prevent and control viral diseases. And that's source 13. Now, if you just search around on that website, you'll see that this institute is knee deep in coronavirus research. Now, who's funding the Perbright Institute? Well, uh, none other than Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, of course. I mean, you can't even make this up. Uh, take a look at source 14. Take a look at source 14. And that proves and validates that Bill and Melinda Gates are funding the Perbright Institute. Notice the date on Source 14, November 15th, 2019. And the reason I want you to notice the date, because it just so happens coincidentally that the first case of coronavirus was discovered two days later in China. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, folks, it is sick. It is a clown world. And by the way, that is source 15 for all the folks that are keeping track. That's right. First case of coronavirus discovered in China two days. Uh, that would that would make it November 17th, two days after the press release of source 14. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> and by the way, on a controversial footnote, you should check out the Perbright Institute's research on how leaky vaccines can produce more dangerous variants of viruses they're attempting to cure. Yeah, well, let me run that by you one more again. All right, you should look into their research on how leaky vaccines can produce more dangerous variants of viruses they are attempting to cure, and that's source 16, folks. All right, that's source 16. That's what the Perbright Institute is researching, quote unquote, but I'm digressing. It's just an interesting tidbit if you are researching this further is all I'm saying, okay? But anyway, let's go back uh, to source 12 and the disclaimer I told you that I was going to address, so I'm addressing it now on source 12, okay? Now, the Perbright Institute patent, it has a disclaimer that says, coronavirus is a broad name for a family of viruses. This patent is not for the new COVID-19 virus, and the Perbright Institute does not currently work with human coronaviruses. Bullshit. I just told you on Source 13, take a look around. They're knee deep in that shit. But let me read the rest of the disclaimer, okay? If you share this patent online, be aware that you are fact sharing a separate patent for avian infectious bronchitis virus and porcine delta coronavirus. This is not the patent for the new COVID-19 virus. All right, all right. Now, let me address this. Let's go ahead and play this game. First of all, I want you to notice that the disclaimer didn't deny that it's a patent for an actual virus. I mean, I want you all to notice that. So, I mean, even though they're claiming it's not the coronavirus of COVID-19, they are not denying that these are variants of avian infectious bronchitis virus and porcine delta coronavirus. 
which is, quote, not the patent for COVID-19. So let's go ahead and play this game. They don't deny that they are patents for viruses. Secondly, what is coronavirus or COVID-19? Well, if you Google how did COVID-19 get its name, it comes up with shortened from coronavirus disease 2019, meaning, meaning they took corona and 2019 when it was discovered, put it together, and that's how you got COVID-19 the name. And that is source 17 for all the folks that are keeping track. But okay, we know how it got its name. It's coronavirus with the 19, COVID-19. But what is COVID-19? Well, according to John Hopkins University, you know, John Hopkins University, the same university that hosted Event 201 at the Pierre Hotel in New York. That's Source 18, by the way. Uh, where they simulated a global coronavirus pandemic funded by the World Economic Forum and Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation on October 18th, 2019, exactly one month before the uh, first coronavirus COVID case in China. And that's source 19. I'm talking about, yeah, that John Hopkins University, okay? Well, anyway, <laughs> I know I threw a lot at you right there. But anyway, let's go back. Uh, John Hopkins University claims that COVID-19 is the disease caused by SARS-CoV-2. Okay, SARS-CoV-2 is what coronavirus or COVID-19 is. Okay, so um, according to them, which uh, I don't know, you can take John Hopkins with a grain of salt, the coronavirus emerged in December of 2019, according to Source 20. But I had told you all in another source that China claims that they found coronavirus patient number one or zero or whatever the hell they call it uh, in November. Okay. And that's source 15. Just to, you know, if you want to go, uh, you know, and play this weird game with John Hopkins in China. Okay. But anyway, so now that we know what COVID 19 is, okay, let's go back to this SARS CoV 2 is COVID-19. Okay, so let's repeat that in our heads, okay? Because that's the definition that John Hopkins University gave in Source 20. SARS-CoV-2 is COVID-19. And uh, is SARS-CoV-2 patented by any chance? I mean, since we're talking about patents, right? Is SARS-CoV-2, is, is it patented? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, it, this is sick. Yes, it was patented in April of 2003. That is Source 21, by the way. That's the patent for SARS-CoV-2, Source 21. And yes, I said it was patented in 2003. Now, folks, strap on tight because this is the part of the presentation where it gets a bit scary. And, uh, you know, some of the information I'm about to present to you is possibly vanable or or possibly Hillary Clinton suicidable type of, you get what I'm saying. This is that type of information, okay? So anyway, I've showed you the patent of SARS-CoV-2, uh, and it, it was patented in 2003, and that is source 21. I researched a few people that are named as inventors of SARS-CoV-2, all right? Um, once again, source 21 and found some very disturbing findings about some of these people. 
Uh, one name in particular that we found as one of the inventors of SARS-CoV-2 was Xu Zhang Tong. Xu Zhang Tong. Okay, now we were, well, I was researching uh, Xu Zhang Tong, and I found that this person is a microbiologist for the Centers of Disease Control. And by the way, take a look, going back to Source 21, take a look at who owns the patent of SARS-CoV-2, the CDC, and then it was transferred to the United States government. So the United States government is the patent holder for SARS-CoV-2. Now, let's go back to Zhu Zhang Tong, one of the inventors listed on that patent. Now, I found that this person is a microbiologist for the Centers of Disease Control, Su Zhang Tong, that is source 22. And uh, this person, Su Zhang Tong, began researching SARS-CoV-2 a month after the patent was initially filed in May of 2003. And in Tong's research, they can't explain the lack of transmission, which is attributed to a lack of detection. What they're saying is, is uh, this particular SARS-CoV-2, they can't detect the transmission of SARS-CoV-2, this patent that they just newly threw down the patent pipeline. Let me quote you from one of the papers here of Xu Zhang Tong. Quote, possible reasons of inability to demonstrate infection in some patients with suspected SARS include lack of sufficient sensitivity of the assays to detect the pathogen and the immune response and the timing and type of specimens tested. That is source 23. Source 23. Okay, right there. That is uh, that that source right there is of May of 2003. A month later, after the patent of SARS-CoV-2, which is in Source 21. Okay, Su Zhang Tong's research into SARS-CoV-2 spans their entire career. Uh, they were a part of a study on how SARS-CoV-2 was not readily transmitted via human contact. Let me repeat that one more again. Su Zhang Tong was a part of a study of how SARS-CoV-2, which is COVID-19, was not readily transmitted via close human contact. And they knew this in February of 2004. And that is source 24 for all the folks that are keeping track. That's right. They knew that SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, was not transmitted via close human contact. Source 24. I mean, that's mind-blowing, first and foremost, okay? You're, I mean, that's like, what? Well, let's continue, okay? Tong was also a part of a study validating that SARS-CoV-2 was spread to healthcare workers and patients via hospital-contaminated surfaces. And this study was in September of 2004. So a few months after they realized uh, that it wasn't transmissible through human-to-human -human contact in February of 2004, that's source 24, 
they realized that the spread of SARS-CoV-2 was actually spread to healthcare workers and patients via hospital-contaminated surfaces in September of 2004, and that is Source 25 for all the folks that are keeping track. Source 25. So it kind of puts a spotlight on why most, if not all, COVID-19 infected patients die in hospitals. Things that make you go, hmm. Anyway, let's go back. Since Su Jing Tong, Su Zhang Tong, excuse me, is a major player in SARS-CoV-2 development and research, I decided to find out who the hell this person was. Now, I dug deep. Uh, for journalistic purposes only, and I found this person's personal address, which I am not going to post on this uh, source or podcast, and I'm not going to disclose it. But I found something interesting from this person's address, that there was an LLC corporation listed at this address. And by the way, this address is in a very exclusive gated community, by the way. So, there was an LLC corporation listed at Xu Zhang Tong's address, which introduced me to another name that lived at that same address. Now, the other person that's living at this same address with Xu Zhang Tong is somebody by the name of Yu Lai. <laughs> now, I'm not kidding. That is the name of the person. I thought that because I was digging too deep, I thought this was like maybe... I don't know, uh, glowies trying to, you know, throw the scent off and, you know, trying to subtly, you know, give me some kind of a, you know, that kind of thing. But I did further investigating, trying to find out who the hell is you lie and why are they living with Xu Zhang Tong and, you know, what, what the hell's going on here? And guess what? I found out that you lie actually works for the Centers for Disease Control too. I'm I'm not kidding. And and believe me, this was not easy information to find on any of these people. There's no pictures. There's no records of 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 Su Zhang Tong or Yu Lai before the early 2000s. The only links I can find to these people are related to their work. And what are the odds that two people that live in the same address work for the Centers for Disease Control? Uh, Anyway, I I know this is starting to go weird, isn't it? I I get it. Anyway, I continue to investigate, and I validated Uli's employment, okay, from the CDC as, um, and this is how I validated it. I found a page okay, that is advertising uh, CDC Molecular Biology and Bioinformatics Fellowship. So he's a mentor of this fellowship out of a university. I'm not going to mention it on this broadcast, but it is Source 24 that validates you lie and validates that this person is a employee of uh, the CDC. And by the way, if you're reading Source 24, the fellowship reads like a scientific deep state recruitment ad or something, in my opinion. So since I realized that you lie, and remember, you lie is at the same address with Su Zhang Tong, and Su Zhang Tong is on as the inventor of the patent, one of the inventors of the patent of SARS-CoV-2. So this is where I'm at. That's why... You know, I'm researching you lie 
because I can't believe that Uli works for the CDC and we validated it because he's the mentor of some CDC molecular biology bioinformatics fellowship at some university, that's Source 24. So I continue to investigate Uli because I'm, I'm mind boggled, okay? So I investigate even further and found that Uli's research, his emph or her or whatever, their emphasis on their research for the CDC is in smallpox, and that's source 27, source 28, to validate lies, Uli's research in smallpox. He also has an emphasis of monkeypox research, and that's source 29. And he is the world's point man of rabies research and specimens, and that is source 30 and source 31. So, uh, uh, you know, that, that that's a little shocking. I mean, let me just run that by you one more again, because I know this is a lot of information here. You lie under further investigation. I found that lies research is emphasized in smallpox. Once again, source 27 and source 28 monkeypox source 29. And he is, or she, or they are the world's point man of rabies research and specimen distribution, and that is source 30 and source 31. So this got me thinking a little bit. You know, maybe people are saying, Ghost, you got your tinfoil hat on here. But if the person living with you lie, uh, you lie, the guy or the person that's living with you lie, Su Zhang Tong, was one of the inventors and researchers of SARS-CoV-2 or SARS-CoV-2 since 2003, which eventually became COVID-19 pandemic. Could Uli's work suggest to us that the next pandemic will be smallpox, monkeypox, rabies, or a hybrid of the previously mentioned? I mean, I look, I mean, maybe this is a far stretch, but you know, this is where the investigation takes a turn for what the hell. So before I got ahead of myself, I decided to research if either of these people are connected to China, you know, where this whole coronavirus COVID-19 bullshit started. And folks, to my utter shock, oh my God, to my utter shock. And by the way, this is breaking and exclusive right here. You heard it here, folks, first on the True Capitalist Radio Show. What I'm about to present to you is evidence that these people, uh, Su Zhang Tong and Yu Lai, could be potentially, if not Chinese operatives that are both potentially, and look, this is just what the evidence shows me here. This is my opinion but they could be potentially working for both the Chinese government and the United States government. And it seems as if both governments know what's going on. All right, here we go. Let's let me, let me explain what I'm saying here. Okay. On a website called ResearchGate, which is like the LinkedIn for science researchers, I found Uli's pictureless profile and it states that not only does Uli work for the United States' Centers for Disease Control, or CDC, but Uli also works for the Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention. And that is source 32, folks. All right, so once again, I mean, that right there is unbelievable damning evidence 
that we potentially could be having Chinese operatives or paid Chinese government scientists that are actually working for both the Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention and the CDC. I mean, this is what this suggests, that we've got Chinese operatives working for the CDC. And this is why, in my opinion, it's hard to find anything on these people but an address and some bogey LLC corporation, which, in my opinion, uh, is probably used to launder money. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is very freaked out stuff. I mean, this is this is uh, exclusive here. I mean, this is news. We've got Chinese operatives working for the Centers for Disease Control. Anyway, after being mind-blown after all these findings, I went back to my postulation that the next pandemic involving uh, or could be involving smallpox, monkeypox, or rabies because of the work of Uli given the fact that he's housemates or roommates or who uh, uh, they use the same address with the person that developed and researched SARS-CoV-2. I started thinking to myself, okay, if it is going to, if the next pandemic is going to be smallpox, monkeypox, or rabies, is there any evidence that could suggest that this could be like, is there anything mentioned? And lo and behold, folks, I remembered in November, 2021, I remember that our friend Bill Gates, that, I'm not kidding, uh, started giving us a warning against smallpox terror attacks that could cause the next pandemic. And that's source 33, folks. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, not only is Gates trying to warn us against a smallpox terrorist attack, of course, uh, this was of after the FDA approved a couple of his smallpox vaccines, and that's source 34. Oh, <laughs> I mean, folks, this is unbelievable, and this is why we're having this discourse here. Now, by the way, uh, the smallpox vaccine maker of source 34, Bavarian Nordic, Nordic, excuse me, Bavarian Nordic, also has a monkeypox vaccine, a rabies vaccine, a tick-borne encephalitis vaccine, and an Ebola vaccine. And that is source 35. That is source 35. What a coincidence. What a coincidence, right? And by the way, another smallpox vaccine backed by Bill Gates is Tembexa. Tembexa, that is source 36. And by the way, Tembexa is manufactured by a company named Chimerix, and that is Source 37. And uh, I, I mean, I, this these are things that make you go, hmm, is all I'm saying. You know what I mean? I mean, this could all be just a coincidence. <laughs> I mean, who knows, right? Anyway, I, I mean, all this investigative work and and everything that I've been doing was just emotionally and mentally draining. Uh, so I decided, okay, uh, Su Jing Tong and Yu Lai aren't the only Chinese operatives connected to the CDC and pandemic research, right? So I looked at other Asian names. Don't call me racist. I looked at other Asian names on the SARS-CoV uh, patent, which of course is Source 21. 
And on the inventors list on Source 21, the patent for SARS-CoV, I found another man by the name of Kui uh, Chen. That's Q-I Chen. I, th- I think that's Kui Chen. I think that's that's how you pronounce it. Anyway, Kui Chen is a very interesting character. Kui Chen is a Chinese-born and educated researcher, quote-unquote, who has his own U.S.-funded research lab out of the University of California at Riverside, and that is Source 38. I mean, I, I mean, this is mind-blowing. This is all mind-blowing. Anyway, Qi Chen, his research emphasizes, and this is a point of emphasis, in, quote, sperm RNA meditated epignetic inheritance, embryo development, small RNAs, RNA modifications, and diseases. And by the way, if you take a look at this guy's Twitter, yeah, he's got a Twitter account. He's not even trying to hide what kind of a sick, mad scientist he is. I mean, take a look at his Twitter. That's source 39. And this is another person that is on the inventors list of SARS-CoV-2. I mean, I could be here all night. But I think I've, you know, given you enough breadcrumbs if you want to continue researching these researchers of SARS-CoV-2 or any of these virus patents. It gets very interesting. Let me just give you one more researcher from the SARS-CoV-2 patent. A person by the name of Sharif Zakai. Now, Sharif Zakai is a very interesting character. This is a person that was born in Alexandria, Egypt. And yet uh, he was well-educated, and and um, he came to the United States because I, I believe his father was an educated man, and he got, I guess, infatuated with looking into diseases. Anyway, the reason I say Sharif Zakai is such an interesting character because this guy is the founder of the infectious disease pathology branch of the CDC. Let me let me just let me just tell you that one more again. He is the founder of the infectious disease pathology branch at the CDC, and that is source forty for all the folks that are keeping track. All right, I mean that's how big time this guy is. He founded the infectious diseases pathology branch. He was known, folks, as the disease detective. You know, he he's the guy that first discovered Zika. He's the guy that found that it was anthrax killing people during those attacks after 9-11. Uh, he was the guy that first founded Ebola. So this guy is heavy when it comes to all this virology work and all that. He was on the patent. Like I said, this is how I know who this guy is, Sharif Zakai. He was on the patent of SARS-CoV-2. Now, if you do further research into Sharif Zakai, Unfortunately, either he was on the wrong side of science or got the clot shot, you know, either way. And the reason I say that is because he ended up dead last year by, quote, falling from his stairs at home. You know, we've heard this all before, haven't we? By the way, that's source 41, that uh, Sharif Zakai is dead. Uh, So I tried to do even a little more research into Sharif Zakai to maybe see what he did or, you know, if there was something that put him in the crosshairs of the deep state where he had to be eliminated. Uh, I just think that he just knows where the bodies are buried, in my opinion. I mean, Zarif Sakai's work is extensive. 
I mean, if you look him up, it is extensive. It's unbelievable. So, yeah, RIP Sharif Zakai. Uh, who knows what really happened to him? But you would think that if you're working for the CDC, you'd be pretty protected health-wise. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, I know this was a lot of information being thrown at you guys, and I'm sure you're probably a bit drained from all this information. Hell, I am too. That's why I haven't done my live shows, man. There's, all this information is just mind-blowing, all right? But I encourage you all to do more research on your own. Like I said before, uh, I threw you guys a bunch of breadcrumbs, and you'll find that when you do your own research, you'll find that these people that work in virology and microbiology and all, all this uh, science around diseases are a very small community of folks who revolve around the same viruses and diseases. That's something that you're going to find very interesting in researching these people. And the reason that I presented to you, uh, presented the, all, this in, all this information to you is the next time that they try to lock us down or force vaccinations, you just won't meekly submit and allow these mad scientists to control our lives once again. I sincerely hope that you gathered something from this because people like, or scientists like Anthony Fauci, whose government bureaucracy, the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, is basically the facilitator of grant funding to all scientists with taxpayer money, which created a global network of people who work in this field who are motivated by a general consensus of each other, not science, okay? This is why Anthony Fauci knew that there was going to be a surprise pandemic back in 2017, and that's source 42 for all the folks that are keeping track. That is a video of him in 2017 stating that there will be a surprise pandemic afflicting Donald Trump's administration. Now, how did Anthony Fauci know that? Because I'm telling you, folks, I believe that what has been created amongst the institution of science is a dangerous network of scientists who have now placed themselves above government authority. But I'm digressing. Okay, so how did Anthony Fauci know that there was going to be a surprise pandemic in 2017? How did he know that? That's because, okay, Rand Paul, thanks to Rand Paul, grant documents show that scientists in the Fauci-funded Wuhan lab in China actually approached DARPA. Okay, if you don't know who DARPA is, look them up. That's D-A-R-P-A, DARPA to release genetically enhanced airborne coronaviruses, aerosols containing novel chimeric spike proteins among caves in bats in Yunnan, China in 2018. I am not joking. The only reason we know this is because of Rand Paul. And this is why Rand Paul should be considered for 2024. Same with Ron DeSantis, but I digress, okay? Grand documents, let me just run this by you one more again. Grand documents show that scientists in the Fauci-funded Wuhan lab in China actually approached DARPA to release genetically enhanced airborne coronavirus aerosols containing novel chimeric spike proteins 
among cave bats in Yunnan, China in 2018. And that, my friends, is source 43. And guess what? DARPA and the Defense Department rejected it and thought they were nuts. They thought it was a crazy idea. And when you've got the Defense Department and DARPA saying that your idea is crazy, then it's a cockamamie crazy idea. I mean, give me a break. And uh, this is why I presented this broadcast to you. Because, folks, the next time someone tells you that, oh, you're against science because the institution of science have made themselves not only above authority of the state, but the institution of science, quote unquote, now has the state as enforcers of their will on populations. I mean, doesn't anybody understand that? And this is why I think that Source 43 uh, they probably if just released it anyway. And that's why, may or may not be the reason why we had COVID-19, lockdowns, uh, vaccine mandates, etc. All right? The state now is the servant of the institution of science. And that's what makes this dangerous. I mean, let's just take, for instance, if you're thinking that I'm just blowing things out of proportion, notice how all of a sudden, as of right now, it is April 22, 2022, notice how all of a sudden we're in the midst of World War III global conflict, yet every nation state in the world, whether friend or foe, collectively enforced these lockdowns, mask mandates, vaccine mandates, all for the institution of science. I mean, don't you understand that? I mean, that should show you that science is not only above the law and above nation states, but the institution of science has submitted nation states into not only enforcing their will, but folks, when they enforced vaccine mandates, those vaccines weren't free. So on top of the institution of science enforcing their will on the people, they had to pay for those vaccines with taxpayer money. I mean, this is global mafioso type of situation. This is uh, the scientific institutions extorting the nation states. I mean, this is why I am presenting you this material. I mean, like I said, we're in the middle of global conflict, World War III, yet they were all hook, line, and sinker. Every country in this world was hook, line, and sinker in these mandates for vaccines and the shutdowns and lockdowns. So like I said, this should prove to you all that the institution of science is not only nefarious, but it's downright evil. And if this doesn't prove to you that, well, I mean, if you think the story or the book 1984 is bad, if you think that the book A Brave New World is bad, you've got another thing coming. And that's why we as people need to recognize that science is not some end-all authority of investigation. The fathers of science, Descartes, Newton, Galileo, they didn't do their investigations to try to settle science. It was to get closer to the unknown. 
back in those days, they wanted to get closer to God. And that's what inspired their investigations into the unknown. And they should be everlasting. They should never be settled. That's not what science was meant to be. And folks, that's why scientists that are now talking against the COVID-19 narrative, the folks that are talking against whatever concoctions they're throwing in these so-called vaccines, they're being stripped of their licenses. Some of them are even being stripped of their degrees, their doctorates from their collegiate institutions. They're trying to destroy these people. I mean, take a look at Dr. Malone. Take a look at all these other doctors. Dr. Robert Malone, by the way. Take a look. They're trying to completely erase them from the institution of science canon. They're trying to take their names off of patents. They're trying to take their names off of certain documents, of certain research papers, etc. That's how mad the institution of science has gotten, for heaven's sake. And that's not what science was intended for. That's not what the forefathers intended science to be. This idea of settled science is a crack pipe idea. It's authoritarianism. It's a techno-scientific communism, for Christ's sake. And the populations of the world cannot run in fear from these mad scientists. Because they think, especially now, that they have achieved making nation-states not only their enforcers, but extorting money out of the nation-state, enforcing their will, etc. Not only do they have that, but folks, these folks in the scientific, quote, science community think they're gods. They think that they are above humanity. And by the way, if you take a look at their position right now in the global society, they've achieved that. They're above the law. And people, because of their fear and their lack of understanding of of the complexity of these fields, they don't know how to reject this. They don't know how to somehow question it. And we cannot allow so-called institutional science to claim there's things such as settled science, because that's why we are in this position at this point in time. Science is never-ending investigation. Science is never-ending experimentation. I can't believe they got us believing this crap. Anyway, folks, once again, I hope that you take something from this presentation, and I hope that you're enlightened. I encourage you all to please do further investigating into the breadcrumbs that I just laid to you all. That's the only way we're going to be able to combat this authoritarian, totalitarian, technocratic, science, sick fucking world, excuse my French, is everybody out there, don't be afraid to research and put out there what you have found. And if you found some information, share it with others. And by the way, that's why I centralize all my sources. Once again, every source that I have quoted or I have sourced in this uh, presentation is found on my website, ghost.report. All you got to do is go to the search bar, look up True Capitalist Radio episode number 570, and you can find all the sources that I just mentioned on this podcast. 
So I hope that helps you all. I hope that you continue to do further investigations. And by the way, if you would like further reading on how coronavirus was brought to the United States to begin with, then I encourage you to please read my article on the subject called San Antonio, Texas Must Answer for COVID-19. And that is Source 44, speaking of sources. And... um, It's a very good read, and it'll also blow your mind, by the way, on how it got here and how uh, San Antonio uh, found the CDC trying to spread whatever it was that, uh, well, it was COVID-19 evacuees. Remember, that's where it all began in, in the United States. Remember, the evacuees were here in San Antonio. And the city of San Antonio actually tried to take the CDC to court because uh, they suggested in the court brief, which is on that source, Source 44, that the CDC was purposely trying to put these uh, infected people in positions of high populated areas, like shopping malls and airports and that sort of thing. And because that lawsuit got thrown out in federal court, the city of San Antonio And the government of the county just decided to go along with what the CDC was doing. They said, okay, if we lost the law, since we lost the lawsuit, let's just go ahead and be co-conspirators with whatever the hell we alleged the CDC was doing. And that's why, uh, you know, Mayor Nuremberg, you're a piece of trash. Uh, You know, how dare you sit here and try to give yourself such a pious uh, uh, image when you are a sick, sadistic idiot that knows that the CDC did something because your government took them to court and alleged it in a goddamn court brief. And same with Nelson Wolf, who's the county commissioner. Both of you people are pieces of trash that, you know, bolstered your own images and used this crisis to do so. You people are trash. Anyway, I didn't mean to throw that little tidbit in there, but I think it needed to be said. Let's just put it that way. Anyway, folks, uh, once again, do your own investigations, and uh, we got to keep on. We, I mean, we can't let these people think that they can get away with this without us knowing about it, all right? Knowledge is everything, and uh, like I said, please you know, spread links, show people, do whatever it takes, because that's the only way we're going to stop this. Uh, Anyway, folks, thank you very much for listening to this broadcast. Uh, If you would like to support this podcast, please go to the official podcast website, okay? And it is anchor.fm slash ghostpolitics. Once again, anchor.fm slash ghostpolitics. And if you can hit the support button, uh, that'll help sustain the continuity of this type of content. And uh, I, I do appreciate everybody who has done so. Uh, cheers to you. And uh, this is why we're going to continue with this type of serious content. And for those that are asking ghosts, what do you think about the markets? What do you think about uh, Ukraine, Russia? You can go back to the previous episodes of True Capitalist Radio. My views still stand the same. And by the way, if you do review some of those episodes, you're going to find that I prognosticated things And uh, that's why they call me the prognosticator of prognosticators, you know. Uh, Anyway, please support the True Capitalist Radio podcast. Uh, Let me go ahead and ask you to please add to your bookmarks and add to your favorites my official website. The website is, type this in your browser, ghost.report. 
ghost.report is the website. And also, if you haven't done so, please follow us on Twitter. The Twitter name to follow is Capitalist Ghost. All one word, no underscores, Capitalist Ghost. And by the way, I do want to say that I omitted accidentally Source 26, which I referred to in earlier in the podcast as Source 24 in reference to ULI's uh, fellowship at a given university. So I just want to put that on the record since, you know, I'm ending the podcast here. All right. Anyway, folks, thank you very much for tuning in with me. And once again, spread this show around the internets and throughout the world. And uh, I hope that you gathered some very important information from this podcast. And I hope those of you that are encouraged to investigate, to continue to do so and to make your findings public. Once again, that's the only way that we're going to be able to stop all this disgusting totalitarian madness. Anyway, thank you for tuning in with me. I will be doing a live show soon, and I will be producing yet another True Capitalist radio podcast in the near future. Cheers to you all. Long live the capitalist army, and I'm out of here, for Christ's sake. Keep yourself safe. Thoughts and prayers to all those that are you know, trying to make it through these very hard times, but keep your head up. As long as there's air in your lungs and the ability to have food to nourish your body and uh, water to quench your thirst, everything's all good, baby. Anyway, I'm out of here. Get me out of here, man. I'm out of here.